Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're going to dive into this message, uh, the Fear series called Facing Fear, and it's called Who's the Boss or Who's King? Who is king of your life? Who is driving the bus? Who's driving the bus of your life? Who's pushing the power button in your life? Who's making all the decisions and calling all the shots? I'll tell you this. Whoever you worship, that's who's calling the shots. And so who do you worship? Do you worship God? Or is there something else taking his place? Moses is sent by God out into, uh, into Egypt to rescue all his people. And then they go through this radical and dramatic victory and, and, and season of just getting set free and uh, delivered. And then they find themselves out in uh, the wilderness, basically. And God says to Moses, look, gather my people because I need to show up to them and I want to talk to them personally. And this is the first time that God himself ever showed up to his whole people group, to all his kids. It's the first time he showed up to them and talked to them. Before that, he just talked to a person. And he, he comes and he kind of tells Moses, he goes, listen, it's going to be dramatic. So create a boundary line that nobody goes across. Otherwise, you know, they're going to get burned up. It's going to be bad because I'm going to come down and I'm going to show up. And so God shows up, and, he, and, and everybody's just freaking out. They're so terrified. This is in Exodus 19 and 20. And he comes down. He comes down in such a, in such a way that the, the fire begins to light the mountain on fire, and the smoke of his glory begins to fill the atmosphere. And it's so thick, you can't see anything around it. Thunder and lightning. Sounds like an ACDC song, right? <laughs> Sorry, that was just for any of you 80s folks out there. God is moving and his presence is so powerful, everybody is in fear and trembling. And this is the kind of fear that God wanted his people to see and get and understand. And then he begins to speak to them. He says to them in Exodus 23, he says, you must not have any other gods but me. And verse four, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. What is God after? Your heart, your affection. It, he's not saying, I want your perfection. He said, I want your affection. But when we get into the, or we see or experience the presence of God, many times we think God has come to judge us, so we get afraid of punishment, but the Bible tells us that our love is not made perfect if we are afraid of punishment because we don't understand and see God right. 
But our love is made perfect when we see God in all of his awe and his power. And yes, we fear him, but because we fear him, we actually fear and love him. It draws us to him. And I was thinking about this uh, when I, we were ministering at Kingdom Alliance Network, which happened this last week. It was amazing. The Holy Spirit was moving. And if you haven't ever been, you should go. And anyway, the Lord just showed me this picture of him as King Kong. I was like, oh, okay. And I, I remember it was like this scene in King Kong where King Kong loves this girl. This gigantic monkey falls in love with this little girl, right? This woman. And the woman is so freaked out about King Kong because he's kind of humongous and powerful. And she thinks he wants to hurt her. And so she's running from King Kong, and he knows she's in trouble, so he's chasing after her through this wild, crazy jungle. And then she runs into a humongous dinosaur who then tries to eat her for real. And, is trying, and then she starts running the other way, and she sees King Kong, and then she's in between this dinosaur trying to eat her and then King Kong, whom she's also afraid of but sees wrong. And then when King Kong jumps over her and starts protecting her and beating up this dinosaur, she makes a decision. She looks between the two of them and then she runs underneath him and she gets inside of his protection. <laughs> this is what it means to fear God. Of course, God is not a gigantic monkey. Praise the Lord. But the dinosaur is sin. The dinosaur is the enemy. The dinosaur is everything outside of his protection. And he is so powerful, he can destroy and bring everything else around him into submission. And when we see him right, we don't run away from him because he uses all that power to protect us. He says, you worship one God and one God alone. I'm a jealous God for your affection. I love you. Yes, I'm all powerful. When I come down to the mountain, there's thunder and lightning and fire and you experience my presence. But I want you to see that for a reason. And after he tells them, there's not gonna be any other gods before me. No one's gonna do that. He says, I'm jealous for you. My affection is for you. I want you to be in relationship with me. All this thunder and lightning and power is so that you will be in relationship with me. Exodus 34, 14 says this, you must not worship other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous. Think about that. His name is jealous. He doesn't share his bride. We have one God, period. And he doesn't want to, he doesn't share that seat with anybody else. He is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you, not your perfection before him. We get really afraid because we're not perfect and we think we're not worth it, worthy enough of his presence, all lives. Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God of all, because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We take all of who we are and we run to him and we serve 
Him and love Him and worship Him only. After God speaks the commandments, the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, He then says this, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountains, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen. But don't let God speak directly to us anymore or we're gonna die. Moses says, don't be afraid. God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. Okay, give me some awes and like, whoa, whoa, dude, I never saw that before. Like, that's amazing. Be honest with yourself. Does your fear Normally, your fear of God make you feel like God is trying to help keep you from sinning rather than he wants to punish me for sinning. Love is not made perfect when we think God has come to punish us. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to save it. And when we worship him and we year to him, we fear him, we draw to him, it pulls us into this power relationship where he then sets us free and he sets us free from fear, fear of death, fear of loss, fear of anything in this world because we fear him and he also sets us free from sin. See, when we fear him, we get set free from sin. When we worship him, we get set free from sin. We get set free from the slavery of fear. But he goes on to say this. Verse 21. As the people stood in a distance, in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. You saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Don't make any idols to rival me. I'm a jealous God for your relationship, and there's no room for anybody else. Look at what happens in Isaiah chapter 44, 11, to those who make idols. This is what happens. This is the result of making idols and giving someone a rival. All who worship idols will be disgraced along with these craftsmen, mere humans who claim that they can make a God. They may all stand together, but they will stand in terror and shame. Look at what follows when we make false idols. When we give the seat of worship in our heart to somebody else besides God. Fear and shame. Do you know that fear follows idolatry? That's what it says right here. And when we're, if we're really, really scared, it's because we're worshiping a false god. We have allowed something or someone else to take the seat and the throne of our heart, and we're not being driven from love relationship with God. Instead, fear. It's about worship. When we get terrified and fear starts to drive the bus in our life, 
We are making an idol of it. We are worshiping it. We're worshiping what we're afraid of. I'm afraid of man. I'm afraid of what you can do. I'm afraid of what people think of me. All of these things take the seat of God. Instead of God, I'm just, I just fear you. All I care about is what you care about. I just worship you and you alone. And being right with you is my number one. But shame follows fear like a lost puppy. In fact, there's kind of a puppy club that follows fear. Shame, condemnation, judgment, criticism, cynicism. All these things follow fear. They come after. Legalism follows fear. Righteous and religious behaviors that get plugged into fear, they produce control and condemnation and judgment and all these rules to do to measure up and be accepted. Rather than when righteous behavior gets plugged into love, it produces life, joy, kingdom, freedom, liberty. But too long, the Lord is saying, my church has been worshiping a false God. His name is fear. And it's time to dismantle that God. And we might not be making real golden and silver images of this God, but we're giving fear a seat in, in the throne of our heart that is only made for God. Luke 4, 8 says this, or Mark, 7, uh, Mark, Mark chapter 7, verse 6, first. You hypocrites, Jesus said. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Yikes. You and I have the ability to make up all kinds of stuff we think we should do. When God's saying, I don't need you to do any of that stuff. I don't need you to make up all these extra rules and things that you need to do to be able to be accepted by me. And when the church is driven from fear, it starts to make up all kinds of rules so that you can fit into the club. Dress this way, act this way, do this thing, talk this way, don't do this, show up to all this stuff, or if you don't, then you really don't love the Lord, or we say all this kind of stuff. I hear even people say stuff like, I don't even know if they're Christians. Like, what? Because of their behaviors. Yikes. We just all of a sudden just make up whatever we want. Last I checked, Jesus is the one who saves. And Jesus saves a bunch of messy, messed up people like you and me. And he's the one that decides whether people are saved or not, you or not, you and I. I think we're gonna see a lot of people in heaven we thought, oh my goodness, how in the heck did that happen? <laughs> and the Lord's gonna go, uh, you know, uh, you and me. Remember, I'm good and loving, and I'm jealous for my people, and my affection is real. And when my blood ran, it was powerful. And powerful enough to save everyone and everybody and ev from every single sin. You and I don't get to make the rules. God does. Our job is to worship him wholeheartedly and not use rules and regulations and all this stuff to control and manipulate people to help alleviate our own fears. This is idolatry, church. Luke 4, 8, Jesus said this, the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship and service, they're really the same thing. 
when you serve, you're worshiping. And you are only called to serve and worship God, no one else. You don't serve a church. You don't serve a vision. You don't serve a house. You don't serve people. You serve God. Even Romans 12 says, work as unto the Lord. Serve the Lord. Your whole body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. That's worship. Service is worship. Don't give your service to anyone else. It's to him and him alone. And when you serve, it's worship. And look at what Jesus also said in Luke 16, 13. He said, no one can serve two masters. You will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You get one master. It's God or whatever else you choose to be afraid of. When you make money your God, it's because you're afraid of what you could lose or you're afraid of losing whatever status it could give you. It creates protection and provision for you. I won't be provided for. And so money gives you status and it makes you feel important and all of these things. But it's just, it's just an insulation from whatever you're afraid of. So really, again, you've made fear your God. Come on. But now you're enslaved to it. Now you've just made yourself its prisoner. It's just like what the, Egypt, the, the Israelites wanted to do is go back to Egypt all the time. They're, all the time they get set free. I mean, they see these 10 gigantic miracles ending with one with the, the Passover lamb where we see that the blood of the lamb saves their firstborn. This is a direct prophecy about Jesus coming to save us. And we see all these miracles happen and People set free, and then they get delivered from Egypt, and then they go across the Red Sea. Moses parts the Red Sea. And this represents your first baptism, water, baptism in water. And when we get across, you know what the enemy tries to do? Is we're going across in baptism, and he sends his army after us, and God swallows them up in the water. The enemy cannot get to you and touch you. You're set free. When Jesus saves you and you're washed by the water clean, you're saved, saved. Not just kind of saved and partial saved. There is no partial. There's one full, whole salvation through one loving God. And there is one Lord. There is one baptism. There's one God. We worship him only. These Israelites came out of all of that totally set free, just like us, totally set free. And they kept when they got in trouble or they got discouraged or they got afraid is what happened. They said, let's just go back to Egypt where the prison was good. Like, what? It doesn't make sense. But listen, we do the same thing. And these guys, they weren't even baptized in the Holy Spirit and had the Holy Spirit and the love of God living in them like we are. See, later, Joshua took a faithful generation across the Jordan, which represents the second baptism, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they got to enter into the promised land, which you and I actually get to enter into. We give our life to Jesus. We receive the Holy Spirit, comes in our life when we give our heart to Jesus. When we make the Holy Spirit God, we get baptized in him. Say, Holy Spirit, you are God, and I want all that you have in me through me exploding in my life, doing it all. That's the second baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you have that happening in your life, unbelievable. And still, with that kind of freedom, 
truly in the place of rest where now there is no more work to earn salvation. It's all been done. We can still beg to go back to Egypt and be in slavery like the Israelites did. And this is the thing the Lord showed me is a picture of his church so enslaved to fear and driven from fear, it's no longer producing the fruit that comes from love. And it's like the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt, except now we go back and we find our prison, a fear, prison of fear and sin, and we just go strolling into this prison that has all the locks busted and blown up. And we open the doors and we kind of pretend to shut them, but they can't lock because the locks are busted. And then we just walk in and we find our own private cell and then we go sit in our cell and we shut the door, but the locks don't work. And then we find little shackles on the wall and we're like, well, let's get those chains. And the shackles are broken. They don't clasp anymore. They don't work. And so we kind of fake time and we go like, whoa, it's me. Oh, my life is so hard. And I can't overcome this sin. I'm so afraid. And Jesus is going like, what are you going back in there for? I blew all that stuff up. Like, I just feel safer in here. Because I feel like I'm in control. Mm. I'm in control, but I'm now pretend shackled. What a life. Not the life God called us to. In fact, Paul, he got kind of mad about this. 2 Corinthians eleven nineteen. 19. After all, you think you're so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools? You put up with it when even someone enslaves you? Takes everything you have? Takes advantage of you? Takes control of everything? And slaps you in the face? Paul sort of says something sort of snarky after this. He's like, not me. You guys might do that, but I'm not acting like that. I'm set free. I'm not going to go back into some pretend or let us, someone else enslave me, bring condemnation and judgment on me. Heck no. That's like just coming in and making me your slave and all this stuff and just slapping me in the face and poof, thank you very much. No thanks. And you and I have to get this mentality that from the seat of our heart of worship, we're gonna worship God and know and trust that he has truly set us free. And in that place, Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if I am God's child, then I am an heir. I am a co-heir with Christ, and indeed I share in his sufferings, and also I share in his glory. Come on. You need to start declaring that as an anchor thought in your life. You start to get afraid. You start to go back into your little prison, and you like, oh, no. And you've got these circular thoughts of just, just spinning out of control. No, I I'm a child of God. I am an heir. I don't belong in a prison. I belong at the Father's table that's full of his bounty and all of his food. And it's abundant and spilling over and I have all that I need and more. That's what abundance is. And that's how abundant his love and his provision is for his kids. No matter what the circumstances are. Your worship is not contingent upon circumstances. 
God didn't say, worship me when everything's going good. Worship me when there's no danger. Love me when there's no danger or there's no problems. He said, no, 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 just love me. Trust me, love me and it's all gonna work out. I got this. If you love me and you worship me and lean into me and you're a mirror, me, then you fall into me, then I get to be the big gorilla in your life. I'm the big boy in the space. Nobody gets to mess with me. That's what God says. This is the amazing thing, is that God, that gigantic power gorilla, is not on the outside of you. He said, watch what I'm gonna do. Now I'm gonna come in you. So this powerhouse thing is actually happening inside of you. God made his home in you. He made his place of dwelling in you. But you and I have to choose whom we're going to serve. And if we believe that we're not the ones in charge or in charge of choosing, then we're going to give up power. And we're going to lose control. And if, if we think someone else is in charge of making decisions, then we actually, life gets really freaky. And it will not be driven from love. Even God himself does not make you choose. If he did, love wouldn't be real. And he said, my affection is the thing that drives me. My affection for you is what drives me. So I have a little illustration here for you all. And this is my personal power button. It plugs into my heart, right? And then it has a control mechanism on it. A little button here. If you push this button, this button now controls my response. So if, if I believe that actually you have control of this, and I don't have control of this, I hit this button and I have a response. That response is either loving or not. It's driven from fear or it's not. It's, it, 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 it brings the favor and blessing of God or it doesn't. But I'm in charge of that decision. No one else. But if I believe you're in charge of this, like Sarah, you get to be in charge of my power button. Here you go, Sarah. Everybody say, hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Okay, she's amazing. So if I think someone else can actually be in charge of my response, this is the way it looks. And is this, is this freaky? Like imagine if Sarah could hit that button, son of a burp, 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 right? That was your fault, not my fault. <laughs> Wasn't me. Now look what happens. She just made me, fortunately, the, uh, there was a bleep, you know, because got bleeped out. Sarah, you shouldn't do that. That's rude and mean and ungodly. <laughs> That ungodly response was your responsibility, not mine. Because what you did, push the button, beep, okay, made that happen. True, true, true or false? Yeah, but how many of us live this way? <laughs> okay, this is the thing. It's when we start to get honest, we, we gotta slow down. 
Our head goes, oh, yeah, I know all the truth about that. You know, that's not right. I should be in charge. You can't have my button. But I know this is true, but I keep giving it to you anyway. Oh, because I love to go back to prison, actually, and go into prison and shackle myself up and let everything else in my life drive me and drive all my responses. Listen, if I make excuses and allow others control and power over my decisions, love could never be real. Even God himself will never touch this button. If God touched that button, then your love relationship with him would have no real authentic value. See, what has to happen, everybody give Sarah a round of applause. Thank you, Sarah, very much. Is that I have to believe and understand that God gave me this choice, and it's what defines love as real and authentic and valuable. And when I push it and I say, Jesus, even in my circumstances and everything around me, I know that you are God and I choose to worship you and you alone. No matter what happens, I worship you and you alone. See, I get to push this worship button or I get to push the freak out button. See, it actually depends on what this is plugged into. So if I plug this into instead, right? Here we go. I got all my, oh, somebody doctored this up for me. Thanks. In between services, somebody made my sign better. Bless whoever did that. God bless you, everyone. <laughs> it got an upgrade. If, if I plug righteous behavior, godly behavior into fear now, and I hit the button, boom. My response is gonna be way different than if I plug my choices and my godly behaviors or all my things I'm trying to do, I think are right before the Lord into love. And think about this. If I give my plug to Sarah again, I need you one more time, sorry. If I give it to Sarah and I'm also afraid, okay, so, I'm driven from fear, and so my heart, a seat of worship, is not love. Instead, it's fear. And now you have control? I'm going to be freaked out. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this. Just don't move and just let that go. Let that go. This is what I'm going to do. Get you as far away from my control button as I can. Am, am I experiencing God's community and intimacy? Or am I running from it? I'm running from it. Because I need a safe distance so that I can survive. But if I just flip this thing around, okay, now we can say thank you to Sarah because she now completed her full job. Okay, if I flip this around and now I plug it into love, I get a way different response. If I know, one, I'm in charge of my responses, and then I take all of my choices and I plug them into love instead of fear, I get a way different response. God said this, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear 
or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There is power in love. There is power in the Holy Spirit. We got to plug into it or we're going to have all kinds of really bad negative responses in fruit. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? That's Hebrews 13, 6. What can people do to me when I believe in love that God has put me in such a safe position that no one can hurt me and or harm me in my life in eternity? And that's what I'm living for? Then when I hit this button out of love, my response in the kingdom is very different. Think about this. When I'm plugged into fear, Brene Brown says this, and you can get it, it, from any of these books, there's fantastic books that have a lot of overlap in them, but Dare to Lead, The Gifts of Imperfection and the Power of Vulnerability from Brene Brown. They'll be in the devotional too, uh, just those references. But she says this about fear and what fear and shame drive in our life. So we can take all kinds of kingdom behaviors and try to plug them into fear, and they turn out like this. Our life, when we try to apply kingdom principles led from fear, they end up looking like unhealthy fruit of condemnation, judgment, blame, shame, control, self-protection. Anybody ever experienced this in the kingdom? Around church leaders? Hello? How about your neighbor? How about your friend? How about you? You're like, oh, yeah. I've kind of done a lot of judging and blaming and shaming and control and self-protection because I'm doing this. Pushing the button and making a response driven from fear instead of love. This leads to a lack of intimacy, pulling away because we want to be safe. Uh, loneliness, panic, looped in circular thinking. I just can't let things go. Bitterness, numbing, working from a scarcity and squandering uh, opportunities for joy and recognition. False belief that I must be a victim or a Viking to survive. Like the only way that I can survive is if I am a victim. Oh, poor me, you pushed all my buttons and now I whine and cry to everybody about it. Or I get so mad that you're pushing my buttons, I turn into a Viking and I put my helmet on and I come take you out. And I'll come pillage you, you push my button. Those are all fear responses. And we see them all too often in the kingdom. All too often in the church. Hiding behind cynicism and a critical spirit. Working to prove my worth. Leading with control and weaponizing fear and uncertainty to get my own selfish way. Rewarding exhaustion and status symbol and attaching productivity to self worth. Collecting gold stars. Come on. Avoiding personal challenge and leading from hurt and being a know-it-all or have to know-it-all. Hey, relax. Relax. Jesus took you into the promised land. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Too many believers are so wound up with fear and anxiety, they can't stop talking about other people, they can't stop talking about how they're a victim, and they can't get loose of their own personal injury story. Jesus died for it all. And there needs to be a power shift, a shift in the source of power. This is worship. 
If you're living from a, a place driven from fear, you're worshiping a false idol. The Lord is love. The only thing he empowers is love. That's it. Nothing else. There's no excuse for anything else. It is just a false worship. Misplaced worship. Look at what happens when we lead our response from love. When I make a choice that's driven from love, no matter what the circumstances, when I'm plugged into love, my life produces fruit of peace, joy, goodness, kindness, self-control, honor, respect, faith, harmony, forgiveness, hope, and intimacy, rejoicing with others. God gives me peace and rest. Brene says this, that when we shift from fear to love, we find empathy and self-compassion, gratitude and celebrating with others' achievements, healthy boundaries and real comfort, genuine connection and intimacy. I see you and you see me. We value each other equally no matter what we see. Knowing our true value and able to name fear and normalize it. We live from rest, we play, we recover. We have joy, we have fun. We cultivate a culture of belonging and inclusivity. We give gold stars readily and easily. We lead from the heart. We lead from love, come on. God wants you and I to stop running and stop thinking we're out of control. Stop believing you're out of control. Stop believing you're in prison. You're not in prison. You're set free. You're in the promised land. This is about worship. Who do you worship? Who is king? Who is your boss? Because whoever is your king, whoever is your boss, will be your master. That's who you serve. Do you want to serve fear and worship fear and continue to get fear's fruit? I'm saying no more. I want to be set free. In fact, I want to live in my set freeness. That's really what we're talking about. You're already set free. You did not receive that spirit of fear. You're just choosing to partner with it. You're already set free. I'm set free. John 4, 23, but the time is coming indeed is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You will have no other gods before me. Love must be master. Love must rule. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I could understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but did not love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud 
or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, I want love to be my highest goal. I want you to have the seat of worship in my heart. Nothing, no one else, no idols, no, uh, no, no false graven images, no man-made structures or systems of religiosity that come from fear of the fact that people aren't perfect and they scare me and I just want to be okay with you, God. But you know what, Lord? You make me okay with you. And I'm giving up all that fear and control, all that worry and anxiety. And God, forgive me for every way. Come on, pray this. Jesus, forgive me for every way that I've worshiped fear instead of you. I lay fear down at your feet. I walk out of the prison. You already opened the doors and unlocked all of the locks and all the shackles for me. And I take advantage of that by your spirit right now. And Lord, I walk out free because who the Son has set free is free indeed. And that's me. And Jesus, all you require from me is, your, is my worship to you. So God, I give it to you right now. I worship you. And in every moment, God, will you help shift me from the place in power, from fear to love by your spirit. Reveal fears, ugly face to me. It's, it's control over me, a way it's tried to manipulate me. God, will you bring that to my awareness so that I can shift to a place of love with you. Father, you're good, you're loving, you're holy, you're worthy your king of my heart. I thank you that there's no condemnation for each one of us as we're found in you. There's only forgiveness and freedom and love. We take advantage of that love relationship right now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says some simple things. We've all sinned. We've all blown it. We've all made mistakes and fallen short of God's glory and his perfect standard but the wages of that sin is also death and separation from God but the gift of God is Jesus Christ and through his blood and through his sacrifice being fully God and fully man he came and he died for each one of us and whoever believes in him will be saved believe in your heart confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord as God of your life you get saved just bear me with me one more second. Could everybody close your eyes for a minute? If you're here today and you say, that's me, right where you're sitting, you don't have to go anywhere. I'd love to pray with you. Would you stretch your hand up? Say, Pastor, I want to pray. Thank you. Anybody else? Jesus. Yep, I see your hand. Anybody else? I'm ready to receive you, Lord. Yeah, thank you. Jesus, I want to give my life to you. You can put your hands down. Let's just pray this very simple with me. Jesus, I believe you're God. And I make you my God, and I worship you and you alone, Jesus. Come save me from my sin and myself. Fill me with your love 
change my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life. And I ask you to just love me like crazy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.